My next guest drives product development and innovation by using her extensive hardware knowledge to continuously improve all aspects of the hardware for advanced vapor devices or AVD. Uh, you might remember that name because we actually spoke with Michael Brosgar with AVD a while back. Back in May, he's the Chief Operating Officer of AVD. You might remember when we talked with him, it was right after the whole uh, the year-long patent infringement investigation was finalized. And we talked about that. You'll look for that episode right here, Grassroots Marketing. Just look for the state of cannabis vaping after the vaping crisis of 2019. We went out extensive on that. And it's definitely on AVD. But on this particular interview, I want to make the point that my next my guests here, her skill at guiding and educating clients by developing best practices comes from her years at her own business where she had a cannabis contract manufacturing facility where she developed and produced products for over 50 top cannabis brands in California. So I'm here with the Vice President of Advanced Fiber Devices, Audra Horridge. Audra, thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Now, one of the areas you talked about most recently with Benzinga is you mentioned about the role of women in the cannabis industry and how you're having to help redefine the standards in the vaping industry itself. And when you spoke with them, you mentioned that, quote, a challenge has been fully owning my voice, having to be more forward and strong to be seen and heard, or walking in the fine line of being tagged as too much. And that you notice that it's disrespectful when someone assumes I don't know anything about the subject at hand or what a suggestion of mine or any woman isn't given appropriate attention. So I want to let you just take a minute and just talk to me about what you've seen, because as you said, as I mentioned before, you had come in before coming into the cannabis space as co-founder, VP of operations, product formulation at Mobius Pack. Yeah. And then coming into the space here, a couple of things you notice entering the cannabis industry. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I I definitely um, talked about owning my voice uh, uh, on that on that article and uh, being a woman in the space and seeing these small challenges. And um, I do want to start off by saying that my feminism, my representation of women is much more about recognizing all of the standards and biases that both men and women face. I think it's very polarizing and very uh, dividing to just focus on one, you know, one particular issue when we realize that biases and expectations and all these kind of things uh, are on are on everybody. Um, but you know, women, of course, uh, are, are have been marginalized throughout history, and there are little things throughout, you know, uh, the job space um, and, and my my roles throughout the years that I've picked up on and I've understood as you know having a bit of adversity there. Um, so owning my voice, understanding that when you are someone who you know has historically been marginalized, you have to work a little bit harder, you have to be a little bit louder, but you also have to tread very lightly. Um, and, and I think that you do have to earn your earn your stripes. Um, but then at a certain point, you do have that, you know, that knowledge, that respect, that understanding, and you can take a little bit of a breath and you don't have to have such a guard up and you don't have to prove yourself so much. Um, and so that is walking the line of being too much you have to fight, but you also have to read the room. You have to understand, um, you know, when you don't have to continually be you know proving yourself all the time and it's so and then one thing is that the, the cannabis industry is supposed to be still be very much progressive but i know 
that there's these issues with standards and biases that still are in place, just like any other corporate and because of the corporatization of this industry in the first place. From all the Fortune 500 companies, certain cultures that come from the CEOs of these companies coming into the cannabis space, they kind of fall along and it's unfortunate. But I mean, for me, I get understand where, you know, when you talk about people that are marginalized, and it's amazing how many are actually marginalized across the board, but we get marginalization can be in such a large aspect. But for me, yeah. it's about merit. And I think I always, always thought it would be better off to have someone that you would, that has a chip on their shoulder to prove themselves. That's who you want to be working. Not those that are going to be just placating and just, you know, they're just going to go along to get along. Yeah. And, and someone that doesn't feel like, you know, someone that feels a little too comfy or a little bit too uh, self-assured, um, you know, that that's someone that can, you know, have a, a bit of an arrogance about them. And I just think it's also really important in the workspace, like you said, these traditional structures, like it is important to stand up for, you know, what you believe in and and gently coach people that are, you know, we don't know what we don't know, right? People say things and do things that, you know, have small microaggressions, small airs of sexism, and they don't know. They they are wonderful, loving, respectable people, and they just don't know. And so there's a small line that you walk by gently coaching them. You know, I, I'm also a queer woman. Um, so there are a lot of LGBTQIA, you know, it, tones that people are still learning. There's a lot of stuff swirling around mm -hmm. um, in the world right now. And so just gently and not aggressively saying things and people can be very receptive when you come with like an open, loving perspective because they don't know what they don't know. And a lot of times people right. are willing to learn. When I discuss this subject on the program here with other guests, the other thing I also need to always make a point of is that it's not just representation based on merit. It's also the fact that the other thing, and I'm pretty sure companies are also trying to go ahead and work around is they're going to try to create diversity or try to go ahead and, you know, well, any of those biases and standards by being performative. So they're going to bring people on regardless of their merit and regardless of what they're able to do, that they're going to do something. Well, we just need to have somebody that has various, uh, that, that'll show that we're much more inclusive. And that obviously, you know, that's what creates pride month. That's what also, also creates all these different issues where, so it's not just everybody's coming on board and just realizing, okay, we have people that are here qualified and could do the work. No, we need to have people on just to, you know, check a couple of boxes. I definitely see how that some like companies can fall into that. I yeah. I'm really happy to see that AVD has naturally created diversity because what's really important to us is that we have cannabis people that talk the talk and walk the walk and also have that, you know, experience in their realm whichever role they're in. So it's like the double whammy. So in finding these people that are a proper culture fit to be able to serve our clients, I think that's what's really a huge impact with ABD and what's made us very different is that we're not another ESIG company. And so in sourcing these people that have that cannabis knowledge, that know, you know, what our customers need, that have been through those problems before, you know, such as myself and all my colleagues, like I owned a contract manufacturing facility. Like I filled millions of cartridges. I messed up millions of cartridges. Okay. Thousands of cartridges. <laughs> my humble brag is that I've probably messed up more hardware than you have filled in, you know, the first whatever right. years of your, of your business, because I learned the hard way. And I think that when you source these people from all walks of life that have this cannabis experience and that can walk the walk and talk the talk, we've naturally gained this diversity. 
um, without trying to, you know, overly represent any one group because of that inclusivity thing that you're talking about. In the Bazinga article, you also make the point about pushing for increased female representation in STEM fields. And for those, even I have to go look again and make sure that I say, okay, acronym for science, technology, engineering, and math, because there's always the thought process that there are only certain people, you know, either from a certain culture, a certain race, or a certain whatever, that there, you, you just, people will be stereotyped who are going to be in STEM fields. So you make the point, you said that you always look to advocate and collaborate with women in any field within the industry, going beyond gender roles, uh, quote, we can recognize privilege in its many forms, but it doesn't help anyone to take extreme sides. It further divides us. Right. That there should be an open playing field. And I always talk about the fact that, you know, when it comes to all these things, especially with uh, for qualifications and skills, you know, that's merit-based. But then the other part is leading up to a C-level executive, getting into the boardroom, that there should be a way to get a seat at the table and then when you leave that table, someone else that is like-minded like yourself should enter into that same space. It's the same way we talk about social equity. When we're looking at people that are being misrepresented in various, like say in the black community, the same thing goes. You bring somebody into the fold and you bring more people to the fold, like-minded from your community to take place. Absolutely. And I think we also have to really recognize the small microaggressions and small biases we have. And so when I talk about marginalized people, I do talk about, you know, not just women, but, you know, people of color and, and anybody who, you know, has had a disadvantage, um, you know, LGBTQ, you know, all of these different marginalized communities. Um, and it's, it's great to recognize your internal biases and understand, like, when someone is talking, are you giving them the respect that they deserve? Do you have internal biases about what they look like? you know, how old they are, you know, yeah, ageism is also a thing. So there's all these kind of things that you can do to quiet your internal biases and your microaggressions against marginalized communities. And that way, we will open doors for more people to to climb the ladder into these C-suite positions. Right. But I guess the other thing too is that, I mean, how much of an emphasis does it, I mean, do you have to have it where a company will create the inclusivity, that organic, natural inclusivity. What is it do you think that AVD did that was so organic and so easy to go and do that other companies could learn from? I think that what makes us different is that we really, really focus on our love for the plant. Um, and that's kind of what drove our inception. You know, we we saw that the current hardware in the market was not cutting it. It was, you know, these companies that started from eSig that had no roots in cannabis. Um, and so we really wanted to strive to get this company to have its roots and to represent the plant. And I think that that's a really great way to bring, you know, cannabis brings people together. Like right. it's such a great unifying factor. It's the same thing like if you're at a concert, like there's so many different people that are there at that concert, but what do you share? Your love for the music. Same with the cannabis. So I think that naturally, if you find these passionate people, there will be a diversity between them. You also, like I said, have to quiet your internal biases and your, you know, internal, um, you know, microaggressions towards certain, you know, marginalized communities. And if you do those two things, I definitely believe that organic diversity will happen. And I think one of the things that people don't take enough 
thought about is the fact that the representation that your company has should reflect the representation of the products you're serving and the and that market that you're serving as well, which is also, it's also very diverse and inclusive in general. And there are even some companies that I can always mention that have done that more specifically, more exclusively than others. But that's the whole idea too, would you say? Yes, absolutely. I agree. Now, I want to go ahead and focus on what you have been doing within the industry when it comes to what you've been you've been a part of now is establishing key regulatory standards. You run a cannabis committee for the American Society for Testing and Materials, ASTM, which is helping to shape the broader vision for AFD. And what you're doing is instrumental for standardization initiatives, refining procedures for heavy metal sampling, redefining terminologies, and tailoring vaping protocols for cannabis consumption. So can you expand a little more on what you've been doing with ASTM and what it is specifically that you're able to go and work on that you're looking to support? Yes, absolutely. ASTM is uh, you know, a great group that does global standards for everything. Um, and there is a subcommittee uh, called D37 that focuses on cannabis. And you know, this is super important because we know that this industry is still a baby and there's still so many things that need to be defined. And uh, AVD is really, really passionate about making sure that the safety aspects of this hardware are continually focused on. So what we're doing with ASTM is we're hoping to shape these standards so that when regulatory bodies come and they need answers and they need to make laws, we're prepared to be able to have applicable standards that aren't too soft and aren't too hard and really represent what we need in terms of safety for the industry. So things like leachables and extractables in vaporizer hardware, uh, things like characterizing elemental impurities in vapor aerosol. So just understanding all the exposure you know, things in these hardware pieces and really making sure that not just ABD, but everybody is held to the standard of a safer product. Um, and that's what we're really passionate about is making sure that these products are not only extremely tasty and represent the plant, but they're reliable and they're safe. Um, you know, safer and safety is, you know, these are words that we say all the time and we're always, you know, there's bumps and bruises along the way. There's learning that we're all doing in this industry. Uh, but by able, you know, being able to go into these committees like ASTM, we're continually striving to make better standards. Now you mentioned aerosolization, uh, aerosolized vapor. I want to make a point that you also have been working on a white paper researching vapor aerosols and when you see across the world, obviously, you know, all across the country, vape stores are more rampant. And I mean, it's amazing that Juul might have gone by the wayside, but other vape companies are out there doing nicotine flavored vapors. And that's just becoming rampant. And one of the things that you're doing right now is creating create that awareness that conducting puff topography studies to characterize real use causes for vaping patterns. And so you're looking to go ahead and do positive change. Talk to me about what's being, what, what can be learned about that white paper when we can see something that will be published at some point. What are you learning so far, early findings? Yeah, definitely. I think that the, the current method for um, aerosolization analysis is called Caresta. And that program is, um, it's a three second puff every 30 seconds for the duration of what your sample is being taken uh, for. So however much you need to collect. Um, and that doesn't give any rests to the device. 
you know, it's a very, we think, a very um, intense protocol. So we're trying to better understand what is a more representative protocol for a real use case. Now, it can't ever be exactly the same as, you know, a real use case because it has to be able to be performed in a lab in a reasonable time setting. So we're trying to bridge the gap between 100% natural use case and this like current standard Caresta that is a little bit too intense. So by performing studies of real people, um, we're able to kind of extract what that middle ground is for the most representative sampling. Now, Audra, as we wrap things up, I also never, I really never do background, uh, do much talk about background in these shows. I know everybody else is like, tell us where you come from. What's your background? But I have to make the point here is that you come in, originally you were coming out of uh, college, you know, studying hospitality management and culinary arts. And you were an executive pastry chef at Broadway Grill. So, you know, more than a decade ago, did you ever see yourself coming out into the cannabis industry and working your way through in the last decade? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great little, you know, walk of life kind of mashup. Um, I really think that going into hospitality management and having my pastry chef background really shaped the role that I ended up in at AVD because, you know, in product development, we're constantly testing devices. And so I, I really do take my pastry chef palette um, and my eye for like, I worked in fine dining as well, my eye for aesthetics and plating. Uh, and I actually apply it to these vapes. So the flavor, the way they feel, the way they look, um, you know, you know, I, I work with our designers and, and the rest of our wonderful product team. And it is it has shaped the way our vapes look, feel and taste. Um, so it's such a crazy mashup. And I actually randomly got into the industry. I met somebody out um one day and I was working part-time as a pastry chef. So I had some free time and I said, Hey, if you need anybody to help you on your business, you know, let me know. I had no idea what his business was. <laughs> we got lunch. Right. He told me I got my cannabis card the next day. This was when it was still medical. Wow. Got my cannabis card the next day and I started as an account manager. And then fast forward, we opened Mobius Pack. We started our own contract manufacturing business where I did formulations, vape formulations. So that's kind of the whole big picture of from pastry chef to cannabis VP. Fantastic. What a yeah. run. And you're not the first I've heard to coming from the culinary arts uh, into this space. I, but it's amazing that you get to this point. And, um, what if we then you would have gone into edibles, not going into into STEM materials, but okay, but uh, that was where you went. It was just the niche that I fell into and I got really passionate about it. And I think at that time, you know, vape technology was so, it's so, so iffy. There was wicked cartridges with fiberglass wicks and, you know, your oil had to be really thin or else it burned. And, and I just, I really fell into formulations, which are kind of, you know, kind yeah. of flavor, you know, uh, theory and all of that. So it, it is more a bit of a stretch, but it is still in that realm. Wonderful. I want to go ahead and leave it here. Now the website again, abd710.com. And like I said, if you want to get more into the internals of what Advanced Favorite Devices does, the whole, all that goes on in the business side, go ahead and uh, let me just refer you back to that Michael Broskar interview. But Audra, thank you again for giving us this discussion. Really appreciate it. Again, joined with Audra Horge, the Vice President of Technical Solutions, Advanced Favorite Devices, avd710.com. Thank you again for being on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.